everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, Jen Hatmaker is here, your host of the For the Love podcast. I am super pumped to share my next guest with you. We've obviously gotten to know her in the last couple of years on one of the most popular podcasts in rotation right now. That's zero exaggeration. It's top of the charts um, in every category. Um, But today we get to dive a little bit deeper and hear some of her backstory and behind the scenes work um, that led her to this amazing show. So she is sharp. She is funny. She is all around wonderful. Thrilled to have on today, Monica Padman. Monica is just like a creative powerhouse in every way. She's an actor. And then you probably know her as the co-creator and producer and editor and co-host of Armchair Expert, which if you know podcasting, you know Armchair Expert. It is this fabulous um, show hosted by Dak Shepard and Monica Padman. So we'll talk about this, but Monica's from Georgia, um, and then she moved to L.A. a decade ago, which she talks kind of about that transition also. Uh, She also trained, by the way, at Upright Citizens Brigade, so all the comedy nerds are freaking out about that one right now. That's an improv theater group founded by truly some of the greats, including Amy Poehler, our queen. Um, you have seen Monica on The Good Place, on Bless This Mess, on House of Lies, among tons of other on-screen projects. Uh, We hear a lot from Monica on Armchair Expert, but I have always wanted more. I've always wanted more from her. I've wanted to know more about her. I want to, I would love to just like give her this long runway and let me hear all of her thoughts, which you are getting today. So you're going to hear how she went from babysitting randomly for Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard all the way to co-creating Armchair Expert with him and everything in between. We talk about all sorts of stuff. We dig into topics big and small. Um, We talk about the state of the world right now. We talk about career paths and what to hold tightly and what to hold loosely. It's all in here, um, including behind the scenes of one of the world's most favorite podcasts. And so delighted to bring to you today, my sparkling conversation with the oh-so-delightful Monica Padman. So I'm like way too excited. I'm really, (laughs) really too excited to welcome Monica Padman to the show today. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. I am so flattered to be here. It's so nice. It's so funny because, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts but I listened to one virtually without ever missing a week. And it is yours. Wow. Uh, I think I've almost heard all of your podcasts. And oh, so man. I think, feel like I just know you, you know, that's the, that's the, them's the breaks kids. You, you put it out there <laughs> and now it's too late. We all love you. Oh, that's so sweet to hear. My listeners know you, of course. Uh, and I filled them in with a little bit about your background, but you know, Every time we get to hear a little bit more about your story on Armchair Expert, it feels like a treat. 
Like you sort of drip it out to us, you know, where Dax is more just like sort of a constant tsunami um, of information and words. You're like, you drip it to us. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa, tell us more. Like, and then what happened? And so we would be delighted to hear a little bit more about your story in your own words. We know that you grew up in Georgia, um, but tell us like a little bit more. I, I'd love to hear kind of what was young Monica like and what did she enjoy doing? What kind of a kid were you? And um, tell us just a little bit more too about your family and, and your path kind of all the way up to college. Okay, great. Um, yes. So I was born in Georgia um, to my mom, who is a um, computer programmer, and my dad, who's an engineer. And they, uh, my mom's parents moved from India when my mom was six. Yeah. So she grew up in Savannah, Georgia. She has a very thick Southern accent, <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny. And by the way, I, this is just proves how unobservant I am, which is extremely because I had no idea that she had a Southern accent. I uh, never heard it. Never. Uh-huh. Of course. Until of course, enter Dax. The first time he meets her, <laughs> right. he was like, Oh my God, your mom has such a strong Southern accent. And I was like, she, she does? does. Yeah. What? Um, <laughs> yes, but she does. He's yeah. absolutely right. She does. But anyway, yeah. So then my mom uh, grew up in Savannah. My dad came for uh, my dad came for college. Okay. For graduate school. Um, And then, yeah. And then they had me. I was a really, I would say, shy kid. Hmm. Really shy, which is sort of I would say ironic, but not yeah. really. I, I tend to think that actually a lot of like performers and people who end up going into sort of these um, more artistic industries yeah. tend to have a layer of shyness. It's true. But anyway, yes, I, I was really shy and I got really good at, so I always felt really different physically, mm. obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, huh. So everyone else looks like this and right. I look like me. And I, like any kid and every kid finds a way to find themselves as the other. Like everyone feels it. It's a total Mm. universal feeling. Mm -hmm. Mine, I think just happened to be, uh, so obvious Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it was, it was things I felt like I, I had no control over. Right. So I, I feel like I spent a lot of my childhood getting really good at, at, how do I, how do I say it? Like getting really good at almost playing beta to Mm. everyone around me. Totally. So that I could make friends really easily. Sure. You know, like I was going to be on everyone's team. Mm -hmm. Um, and I sort of think I have, that's sort of carried on into adult life. Like I, at a young age found it to be incredibly important to be invaluable. Oh yeah, of course. Like efficient and smart and useful. Useful. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And to be somebody's chess piece that like they would never let go Mm. because I was always afraid of that, of like abandonment because it was like, Oh, clearly they're going to figure out I'm not like them. And then they're going to leave me. So I was always looking for the angle in relationships, friendships and stuff of like, okay, how do I be the person to them that they need? 
Oh, you yeah. know? So did that mean like in high school, were you like pretty popular, like a lot of friends, you really had your, hit your groove there? So yes, I had a lot of friends across a, a lot of different groups. Um, I would say, cause I was a cheerleader. I was, um, in theater. I was like in the sort of AP classes. Mm -hmm. So I sort of hit a lot of groups and I always found friends in all of those areas. I, I was very practiced in that, just like finding at least, I think it was like, to be honest, a little bit conscious. Like even mm. when I would go into, I remember so specifically my freshman year of college, my first theater class, like walking in the room and looking around and like deciding basically mm. like who's going to be my friend here. Like totally. who's going to be the best friend for me? I'm picking right now and I'm sticking with it. And by the way, she is still one of my closest friends. Oh my so gosh. it worked out. That's <laughs> it amazing. Out. But it's funny, but yeah, I definitely felt like I always needed some sort of ally or buddy mm. and I was going to make that a point, um, no matter what the circumstance sort of. So mm -hmm. yes, I, I would say it was well liked. I, w I don't know that I would say it was popular hmm. in like mm -hmm. the standard sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, like I wasn't like prom queen. Boys were definitely not like banging down my door sure. at all. Um, and that's sort of in my, that's like the stereotype in my head of like the popular girl. Right. But I was definitely well liked. That is true. So you're in, so you're at Georgia for college and yeah. you are immediately in the theater space. And so is is was that your track? Is that where you kind of kept your foot on the gas during those years? I know you loved college. I did too. Um, oh, what? The best. What? How? How were you beginning sort of to flourish in that environment in ways that were obviously ultimately going to inform your career path? That's really fascinating because I. Um, so yeah. So I did. I double majored. I did theater as my main major. And then I did public relations as a second major, mainly to, to placate my parents a of little course. bit, like yes. <laughs> give, give them some sense of safety. Yes. Um, which is, yeah. Which ended up being also ironic because I've used a lot of those skills now. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's very interesting how it all worked out, but, um, but yes, so I did theater. I loved it. I loved it so much. I already, I did theater in high school, which I loved and definitely got like bitten by the bug there, mm -hmm. I would say. I mean, it's funny because when I was in eighth grade was sort of when I made my decision that I was like, I'm going to, I want to be an actor mm -hmm. because I started watching Friends, my lifelong obsession. Right. Yes. And, and also I think that was, it was around the exact same time that I saw Good Will Hunting. So those things oh, like yeah. coincided and totally. like changed my world in such a dramatic way. But it was funny because I would watch those things and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be a part of something mm -hmm. that makes other people feel like this is making me feel mm -hmm. like, and, but then I just like chose I just assumed that to be acting when really now in retrospect, I'm like, that has nothing to do with acting. Like mm, That's a good point. You know, it has nothing to do with it, but I thought it did. So then mm. my freshman year of high school, I started theater and then that all got confirmed where it was like, oh yeah, I like it. I actually mm -hmm. really do like it. And specifically comedy. I just loved making people laugh. Yeah. Um, I felt so powerful in those moments and like in control, you know? Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, so then, so then in college, it was actually kind of interesting. And in, in college, I, I felt the, probably the most insecure about acting. Really? Why? Because there were so many people to compare myself to in that program. Oh, sure. You who know, were also good at it, who were kind of at the head of their class in high school, but exactly. then it's such a concentration of talent in college. Exactly right. Yeah. And then you, and you know, you're all, you're auditioning for the plays and it, it, everything feels super heightened and you're not getting roles and you're like, oh boy. And at UGA, there was this, um, we had to audition to basically get in the higher level classes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was like always this conversation of a lot of people have to do that multiple times. And I did, I had to do it twice. And so after okay. the first one, I was like, oh no, like it was so demoralized. Oh, I like, bet. You know? It's like, oh my gosh, this thing I've already decided I've committed to oh for gosh. life. Like I'm clearly not very good at it, but anyway, and, but I still, you know, it's funny because even through that process and by the end, when I left, um, college, I had, I had found that confidence in a few different mm. ways. We had to do like a one woman, not one woman, one person show. That mm-hmm. was a class we had, we had a whole semester. And at the end of it, we had to do this one person show. And it was mm. like the most terrifying thing and scary. And also just like, Oh my God, the, the, um, chance for failure felt so high sure. <laughs> on that. But it went so well. I felt so confident at the end of that because it went really well and mm. it was all me. You know, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't really put it on anyone else. We wrote them. And so um yeah, I felt really confident by the end yeah. of that program. And it didn't re- all of the other little blips I think ultimately were so helpful to me because mm. not getting into the higher level classes immediately, like not getting the lead and, you know, uh, midsummer night's dream, you know, Mm -hmm. not all of those things really taught me about rejection. Great point. Which ended up being, I mean, the most crucial element coming out to LA. Oh my gosh, totally. And resiliency. If you don't have it, you're doomed and you're really in every sector, but definitely in your world. Oh, yeah. I cannot imagine coming into an L.A. scene with incredibly thin skin um, and any sort of expectation that every single thing is going to be a win. That's just such a recipe for, like, the saddest life in the world. Totally. But if that's all you're used to, like, if you're always getting that affirmation, then you are going to feel like, well, why, wait a minute. Like, yeah. why didn't I book that commercial? I'm good at, I'm good at acting. You know, like you start, you start blaming yourself for things that aren't, are totally out of your control. That's a great point. I mean, there's a million factors and I always, I know this seems like a mean thing to say, but uh, we have a lot of, we have five kids and they're four of them are teenagers, two of them are in college. And we're like, we've said since the time they were little, I kind of hope for some really, um, you know, manageable all the way to epic failures for these kids. Like that's the best teacher. It's terrible, but there's no other way. You just, I always have learned more from failure than I learned from success. And, and there's just, those are the only ways to flex those muscles and figure out that you have them. 
you know, that, oh my gosh, like this isn't going to kill me. I'm going to get a no or I'm going to bomb and I am not going to die over it. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and life goes on and I can keep carrying forward. And it's just, you're right. It's so useful ultimately, Mm -hmm. even though it feels like so terrible in the moment, um, cause I love success and so failure is hard for me. Um, yes. at, but now at this point I've learned so much from so many of them that now that now it's a friend, but exactly, exactly um, to learn to embrace those moments because they really do end up getting you so much farther great than, point. than you think. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Please raise your hand if you love bra shopping. <laughs> okay, hard pass. So thank goodness and three cheers for Third Love, who has made for us bra shopping that is quick and painless, and you don't even have to leave your house, which, you know, that's the way I want to live my life. So Third Love has used data points generated by millions of women to create more than 80 cup sizes, you guys, you guys, 80, eight, zero, including half cup sizes to help you finally find your perfect fit. Their bras are the most comfortable I've ever worn. They have, well, memory foam cups, which are nice, but their straps are the greatest. They don't slip. They don't pinch. And third love also stands by their perfect fit promise. So they give you 60 days to wear your new bra. And if you don't love it, you can send it back and get a full refund and they will wash it and donate that bra to a woman in need, which I love Win, win, win. So third love knows that there really is a perfect bra for everyone. It exists. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash for the love right now to finally find your perfect fitting bra and you'll get 15% off your entire first purchase. So it's third love dot com slash for the love for 15% off your first order today. All right, guys, back to our show. So did you move to LA? Was it eight years ago? It was 10. Was it 10? <laughs> yes, which is crazy. It's a decade it's crazy. there. I what know. was talk a little bit about those first few years in LA, just kind of like right out of the gate. And how did you find your footing? How did you find your people? It feels really LA is just an overwhelming place, period. Much yeah. less when you're going there to really like sh- sh- go for it, to go for your career. Um, I would love to hear about the, because now we see you sort of in this really successful place, which is so fun to watch. But what about the beginning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, L.A. is very, it's a hard place to be at the beginning of your career, for sure. And it takes a long time to get fully acclimated to find your people. I mean, I was really lucky in that I moved out here with a friend mm-hmm. and he and I lived together. We lived together for four years. Um, and I also had another friend the the girl that I met on the first day of oh, yeah. uh, college who had moved out maybe a month before me. 
So she was out here too. And mm. so I already luckily, and I, I mean, I, I feel so grateful for this. I had sort of a built in and it was tiny. It was her and it was Still, him. That's enough in a big old city. It was enough. And like, we, we felt so, um, we were, ex- it was exciting. You know, it was exciting. It's like, Oh my gosh, we're at the beginning of this chapter, but it was so scary. And I mean, the job situation was uh, looming over my head. Sure. Of course. Like, how do I make money? How am I going to do this? This is an expensive place. I mean, compared to Georgia, LA is astronomically Astro- expensive. And did you just piece it together? Were you just scrapping it all together? Bits and pieces? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was, I was babysitting everyone in Los Angeles's kids. I mean, I was <laughs> doing so much babysitting. And I mean, it was, and so, and my friend, um, my friend, so my, my roommate at the time, he was working as a PA on modern family Okay, when it was just like season two, I think like really. And, and it was so fun because we, you know, we got to go to like one of someone's birthday party and we saw like Matthew Morrison from Glee there and we were like, Oh my God, we're here. We did it. We made it. We made it. It was so, it was the proximity to like success was like just out of our grasp, but we could see it. You were adjacent success adjacent. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We were totally adjacent to it. And then my friend who moved out here a month before me, we would basically just like spend our days while we, when we weren't babysitting, just going on walks hmm. because to like kill time, basically we were yeah. like, let's just go on a walk. So we would take like hour long walks every day. Okay. And I, it was so fun and cute and we could like, you know, we just talked about everything and, but now I'm like, oh, that's also part of why I didn't feel totally um, bogged down by this city is mm. I was getting so much exercise. Yeah. And I didn't even know it. Like I wasn't paying attention, but exercise, in my opinion, fixes everything. Totally. So so I didn't really realize I was balancing all of this kind of fear and uncertainty, mm. a real like endorphin boost every yep. day. So you like uh, accidentally yeah, I, had soul care cause you were bored. Yes. Yeah. So I feel very lucky. I had those two and, and then she introduced me to some of the people that she knew. And then that has blossomed into knowing all my close friends. Right. Okay. So let's talk about that. So is that how you met Kristen and Dax? And can you sort of, cause I mean, this is a pretty like surprising path from (laughs) being a sporadic babysitter to being a co-creator and co-host of this enormous successful podcast. I mean, that's, that really escalated. Um, and so (laughs) can you kind of talk about how, how you met and then how that friendship and then ultimately partnership sort of developed? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and yes, it's the most bizarre you yeah. know, we talked about it on our show a lot. Like if, if you could go back and you talk to your 13 year old self and tell them where you are, right. like, what would they say? And of course I'm like, Oh my God, what? I wouldn't even know how to wrap my head around totally all of what's happened. First of all, what is a podcast? Exactly. Second of all. Exactly. Right. exactly. And, and wait, and that's something that people can make money doing. Exactly. What? Um, yeah, no, but, uh, Yes. So I 
had these, they were mutual friends. Um, yeah, within this friend group, they were a part of that group, but like, you know, it's a really large friend group. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I saw them all the time. There was just parties and stuff and I'd see them and we'd just say hi briefly, but we were just fully acquaintances. Um, nothing more than that. And then I did an episode of house of lies, Kristen show, uh, I just like happened to book that show totally randomly. I played her assistant ironically. Right. Um, So, so life arty, but I played her assistant. Um, I showed up that day and she was like, Oh, hi you like, I know you. Uh And we just chatted that whole day and she just had Lincoln, right? Maybe like a, a five months before or something. And I said, you know, I babysit if you ever need a babysitter. And then maybe like a couple weeks later, she texted me and was like, Hey, do you want to come babysit? Which really was just like the first babysitting I did for them was date night babysitting. So they would go out and Lincoln would already be asleep. And I would just like sit in their nice house and watch TV and like do my nails. (laughs) Right. And get paid and get paid. And I was like, Whoa, (laughs) this is, this is the best. Right. Yay. LA. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Oh my God. So I did that for a while. At the same time, I was also working at soul cycle. Oh yeah. uh, Which I think they, I mean, the soul cycles, everywhere now. Right. But at the time it was just in New York and LA and, and they had opened up a studio in Beverly Hills and I was working there at the front desk. Okay. And, um, I really, really liked it. I, I, I thought, I thought it was a really fun part-time job. Mm-hmm. I did not feel like I was making enough money to sustain myself sure. for much longer. So I knew that eventually I was going to have to get out of that job. And it just coincided where they needed a more full-time person. Okay. So they asked me if I wanted to come. Oh, and it was like, it was really funny because before they invited me to come work full-time, it just so happened that I was going to be in Atlanta visiting my family Okay. during a time when Kristen was shooting in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Um, and so she was like, oh, do you want to come help us? when you're in Atlanta, like, do you want to stay past your vacation and then come mm-hmm. help us? And I was like, Oh sure. But this was all so new to me. Like I right. do normal, normal babysitting. And this was a little bit more intense. Yeah. That, this is in the nanny realm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I said, sure. And then I got there and I was like, Whoa, this is like, <laughs> I, what know, am I, I like, doing? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, was like, I don't know if I know how to do this. Right. Um, but cause they had just had Delta at that point, my soulmate. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was about, I think three months old when we were shooting that. Yeah, well, so, that's no joke. I mean, oh caring for two littles like that. Are you kidding me? That'd take anybody out. Yeah. And I, then there was this added layer of like, Oh my God, these are Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard's kids. Like, right. These little uh, famous toddlers. What am I doing? I know, right. I know. What? have I stumbled into? Um, and like, I, cause I remember we had to fly back Dax, Lincoln, Delta, and I flew back to LA and Kristen had to stay a little longer. And I sat with Delta in coach okay. because of the way, like the, the, uh, seats worked out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dax was with Lincoln in first, first. class. It was uh-huh. like, it was like, Oh, you know, like we'll be back and forth. And it's like, great. But I was like with Delta 
on a plane. And I was like, oh my God, I do not know how to do this. <laughs> totally. I mean, that is a pressure cooker. Plane oh, experience with a toddler God. or a baby. Like, get out of here, man. Oh my God. I was terrified. But but like most things, again, it was a really good lesson. And like, you just got to kind of say, yes, I can do it right. and I'll figure it out. Yeah. And then you do. Yeah, you that's know, really like, what motherhood is too. Yeah. Oh, I. Oh, God. I'm Same. sure. I don't know. We don't know. We'll just figure it out. It'll work out. <laughs> yeah, it'll all work out. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so so we had had that experience. And we got back to LA, and they were like, "Do you want to come on full time?" And I okay. said, "Sure, as long as I'm still able to like leave for auditions and those yep. things." And they were like, "Sure, of course." They've always been the most supportive you know, to, I could ever be around. I mean, Dax like wrote me into chips. I love that. So, uh, anyway, and then I started that did nannying, um, and then just slowly started taking on assistant duties for Kristen. And it kind of just like, it just evolved so naturally. Like she would get sent an interview or something. And I was like, do you want me to like take a pass at this first so you don't mm-hmm. have to like spend all your energy? And she was like, oh, sure. Right. <laughs> if you want to. Look what the babysitter knows how to do. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. exactly. So then it, it just sort of morphed in that way and then kept morphing and morphing yeah. and morphing. And now we're at this stage where, um, yeah, we, we, we're just kind of partners and we do projects together and yep. work together. And I sort of manage the whole kind of umbrella of everything. And then the podcast just ha- just really happened because Dax and I spent hours and hours on the back porch just arguing with each other and debating <laughs> each other nonstop. I can see this. Oh my God. Like I you know, it's funny now because we do this on such a public platform right. now and everyone gets to hear it. And but I miss that mm. a little bit. I miss sort of just the uh when it was just us two on the back porch sure a little bit I mean of course I'm so I'm so grateful and I'm so glad that everyone gets gets to or I and also I'm I'm a I apologize that everyone has to listen to our (laughs) our back and forth nonsense all the time but you know there was something really special about like Mm. learning about each other in those moments um that felt like oh he's like he's uh, con- contrarian and, yeah. and that's fun. And yeah, so just like, it was a really interesting way to sort of learn about each other. Uh, but yeah. And then at some point he was like, I don't know, it'd be like kind of fun to do a podcast. And I was like, oh great, let's do it. Right. And of course you have no concept of how big or far that's going to go at that point. It's like, well, let's just hook up to a microphone and see what happens. Exactly. You know, you have such great chemistry. And of course, like you mentioned, you had developed it now organically over time, which is the best way because it feels genuine. You know, you're yeah. not just putting two interesting people in a room and hoping for the best, but you had really created this interesting space between you by then. But still, even then, I'm not with that. Yes, you're not having any sort of concept of what a deal this is going to become, right? Oh my God. No, not, couldn't even in our wildest dreams right. imagine. And we, and we had no expectation. And I think that's a real, that was a gift that we went in just doing this for pure fun. Yes. And truly like the goal was, oh my gosh, we just get to talk to interesting people and listen to interesting people. Yeah. And, um, have these deep conversations that we have on the back porch, but we get to have them with all these 
you know, folks that have all this life experience and whatever. So we, um, we just found it to be like a, a hack of how do we talk more to interesting people? Yeah. And it had no, no, no expectation of any like financial sure. or public success at all. Um, and it just sort of happened very organically. I mean, he, I will say, after it started appearing to be like a little bit more successful than we uh-huh. anticipated, he was like, well, there were two moments. One was when we got an email from Katie Couric's uh, manager or agent or something yeah. saying like, hey, do you want to have Katie on the show? And I was just like staring at the, <laughs> I was like, wait, 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 wait. You're coming to us? Yeah. Asking if we'll have Katie Couric on? I mean, are you kidding me? Totally. Like, what? <laughs> so we both had this like big moment in the kitchen of like, this this just oh, yeah. happened. Like, yeah. what? We're at Katie Couric level. That just happened. Yes. And yeah. we didn't even have to reach out to her. Like, they came to us. It That was a huge That's moment amazing. for us that felt like, oh, wow. We're like, we're doing something that people are interested in being a part of. That's so right. fun. Um, and then, and then he, you know, having so much more life experience and, and sort of, uh, experience in entertainment, obviously so much that he said to me at some point, he said, you know, this is, this is a lightning strike. Yeah. Like, he's like, I know it's, you're young and this is like early in your career, but this is a lightning strike situation. And so I really took that to heart and he's like, and just like, yeah, that's true. Like these things don't happen. No, I mean, he's right. Armchair was the most downloaded new podcast of 2018. I mean, that's pretty bananas. Like everybody has a podcast. There's 10 billion of them out there. And so like taking that top slot And then just even with a continually uptick, your trajectory just continues to go. He's right. It's really, really special. It is fun as a listener to have watched it too, because I listened to your very first show, like way back in the day when it came out Uh and you edit it, by the way, you're the editor and you're, you know, it's obviously that first episode is with Kristen and Dax. And then the first 40 minutes they're bickering because it turns out they're human, like the yes. rest of us. Um, oh, and so yeah. I, what were you thinking? Because you are now like a co-creator, you're a co-producer, you're an editor, and this is the audio that you get. And at, so at what point are you thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to put it on the air. Let's just roll the dice and see what happens. And <laughs> like, and how have you sort of, from that first, the first really few episodes, really, because any, any podcasters just kind of getting their feet under them. What have you kind of learned and what's, what has shifted a little bit as you and Dax have, have progressed and the show's gotten like older and wiser and more mature and deeper and all that? Yeah. That first episode, it's so funny. None of us knew what we were doing. I mean, at all. Totally. Like which button do I press? The technology, everything. Truly, like we are just in the dark and I, I didn't, I'm sitting there in that episode and I say zero words. Like I'm virtually completely (laughs) silent. I'm not even laughing. Like I, cause I don't know what to do. We don't know what we're doing. Of course. No. And so, um, it's so funny because, and I will say, so I edit the show, but I didn't start editing until maybe like, 
I wish I had the exact episode. I'll have to at some point go mm-hmm. back and find out which episode is the one I started editing on. Um, that didn't happen for the first couple episodes. Okay. So that Kristen episode is just... It's just what it yeah, is. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> there is no editing. There's no nothing. I think the first couple, like Ashton and Joy, same thing, I uh-huh. think. So, yeah. So those first couple episodes don't have... It's just pure, very, very pure. Okay, <laughs> and, got it. But I will say there was a conversation after that Kristen and Dax episode mm-hmm. from him. He was like, ugh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know about this. I don't know mm-hmm. if we should put this out. Like, he was really hesitant. And sure. I felt very strongly that we should. Mm. Because also, I mean, look, we have a lot of evidence that people like them. Yes, <laughs> so, I think that's pretty established. Yeah. yeah, it seems it seems pretty clear that people like them and and they like them because of their right. honesty. A hundred percent right. Your instincts are right. Yeah, they're candor about everything and they're showing the real relationship. And this is this is a little bit deeper than all the other, you know, things that yeah. people have, have been exposed to with them. But it's this in the exact same vein where it's like totally. we are not perfect. We are not perfect. We are not telling anyone we're perfect. This is a struggle. We mm. have fights. You know, and so I was very adamant about like, no, this is exactly what we need to put out because yeah. this is you guys. And this is us. This is us as a team. This is us as the armchair yeah. expert brand. Like we're going to be honest and we're not afraid. We're not going to sugarcoat things. And we're, you know, we want it to be raw and vulnerable. And I think that's the only way people learn anything yeah. about themselves is if you see vulnerability in others. And so- yeah, so we decided to put all that out there, um, and then it was sort of confirmed that people liked it. It's also so funny because he was like, you know, we're arguing, and I was like, were you? Like, because oh, yeah. I like them so much that I'm like, oh, well, some of it's just the way we all talk to each other. Sure. Well, and and I think they argue well, and I've noticed this about okay. Dex, too, is – um, and the way he even talks about Kristen and the way you respond as well is it always feels healthy. Like there's, yeah. there's disagreement in the middle or there's different opinions or the ideologies clash a little bit. And yet it never goes off the rails. It's yeah. not angry. It doesn't feel demonstrative or performative at all. It always just to me feels like this is how real people talk. This is totally, you're putting a normal, real conversation in front of, in front of us, which is actually, generous and it makes the rest of us feel normal in that it isn't some idealized version of this sort of celebrity team that you guys are, um, that, you know, while fun to watch would be so weirdly inaccessible. Uh, it's the opposite of that. It's just like all this low hanging fruit of normal talking, normal disagreements. And I think you've modeled pretty well how to disagree. Do you feel sort of proud of the way that you disagree on air? Because I'm always impressed by it. Oh, thank you. That's a really high compliment that I will take because Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I am, I am proud, but I also, I mean, I have to credit him so much. Like, I think part of it is we both, I mean, all three of us, I would say, and in, in all the different iterations of these relationships, me and her, her and him, Mm -hmm. him and me in this three-way situation created, um, we there's so much respect. Yeah, that's for one obvious. another. 
there's so much respect and there's so much like real, real love to brace all of it that it doesn't like no one's willing to throw everything out because of a a, a difference of opinion, you know, Mm. and because of the respect, it's like, I want to know what you think about this because Mm. I trust your opinions and I'm curious. And look, I don't think the same way. Here's what I think, but I respect that you ultimately, your goal is positive because you're, because I like you, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. That comes through loud and clear. That's exactly how I experience your conversations. And, um, I think that I've learned something from you in terms of being a good listener, because I am a person with humongous opinions and very like strong ideologies and convictions. And so I tend to be reloading in my uh-huh. head while that person is talking, I'm really just preparing my next paragraph. Yes. Um, and so one thing that I have learned from you as you discuss complicated issues, you know, from various angles on air is what it means to be a good listener. Because I, I've noticed lots of times one of you will be saying something and the other one will kind of stop the trajectory the way it was going. Go, okay, well, you know what? When you say it like that, I hear what you're saying. I think I know what think I get what you mean now. And I agree with this, this, and this, and that. And so mm-hmm. that's great modeling. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's weird out there right now. And <laughs> we've lost oh. the art. We really yeah. have. Like I, I rarely see it in the wild anymore. People who learn how to talk with respect. And so to me, I think that's a cornerstone of your show. Um, that's this kind of interesting ancillary advantage that the rest of us sort of pick up along the way. Um, like this added value that I didn't know to come to you for. Okay. Listen up. If you are a glasses wearer or even a wannabe glasses wearer, which Okay, I really never understood that as a person who has worn glasses since the second grade, but whatever. Either way, it's a great time to be alive. Obviously, you guys have seen Warby glasses around for a while now. You have positively seen them on my face. They have all kinds of very, very style-forward frames, great quality, and here's the kicker. Their glasses start at $95, which includes the prescription lenses. And this might be the best part. Just answer a few quick questions and Warby Parker will show you some cute frames that are personalized to fit your exact face and style. So you pick five and they'll send them to you for free just to try on at your own house before you buy. This family has been Warby Parker people for years. I have one out of seven who do not wear glasses and contacts. The other six of us, Warby people. Okay. I love them. I just got another pair of bonus glasses. You guys, I picked mauve blush tortoise. They're so cute. They're so stylish. So you can get on this too. Order five pairs of glasses, try them on for five days. Absolutely no obligation to buy the kit ships free. It also includes a prepaid 
return shipping label. So to order your at-home try-on glasses, head to warbyparker.com slash for the love and take the quiz to find your absolute perfect glasses today. So one more time, that's warbyparker.com slash for the love to order your free at-home try-on glasses. Okay, you guys, back to our show. Whose idea was it to add the fact check? Like for anybody who hasn't heard your show, you can explain what fact check is. But I think that is a really creative and innovative addition. So fact check was Dax's idea um, because, you know, since sort of the conceit of the show is that he's a armchair expert and he's going to be saying random facts about (laughs) random things all day long. um, And that he's not an actual expert in any of these things that we would need a balance to that. And that was, it was totally his idea. I think it was a brilliant idea. And, you know, the fact check has morphed into, it's still the fact check. We still give all the facts, but it's also just our time to sort of debrief on the episode and just chat and have our own fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that because that's where we get more of you. Um, that's where you really kind of, um, stand up and do a lot more of the, the discussing and the talking. So I, Oh, I never missed that part. I didn't listen to that at the very beginning. Cause I thought, well, whatever misinformation I got, Oh, well, I'll probably forget it. Um, but Bye. then when I finally started listening to fact check, I'm like, Oh, this is fun. Oh, this is banter yes. um, too, between the two of you. And so now I never turn it off. Yeah. It's almost like its own show. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a post show me and him, um, which we just have so much fun doing that. The, yeah. the fact check is, our our favorite part. And I will say like, I feel like I've learned so much about listening throughout doing the podcast because when I first started, I like didn't know what to do as a co-host in, in our very specific environment, which is an intimate interview. You know, it's not like a, just like ragtag, we're just going to uh-huh. chat about anything, you know, it's, it's intimate and it gets vulnerable and you have to kind of know oh, yeah. when to come in, when not, when mm. is it important to come in or when is it just, you want your voice heard? Mm, great question. You great know? Point. And so I have really learned to balance that and to read people's energy. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this person wants a little bit more fun and like, a little bit more bounciness, then I'll Mm. come in a little more. If I can tell that somebody's like shy or it's getting very, very deep, like Mm. I will sit back a little bit so that they can feel safe, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a lot of like listening and reading the room and reading energy. And I think I've gotten much better about that. And I'm really appreciative Mm -hmm. of that skill for like the world and knowing like you don't have it's it's been such a lesson you do not have to say everything that comes in your head it is right. okay it is okay if you have the thought and it goes and it, and it just you can have that thought and it be yours and it does not have to be shared i think we all feel like we got to tell everybody exactly what we're thinking at all times and it's it's so it's been sort of a nice lesson to be like no i can i can think it and it can be an interesting thought mm-hmm. And it's okay that they're not going to hear it. You know, like that's okay. Plus you kind of want to impress some of these people. I mean, you have sat in a room with some really high quality people who are 
at the top of their fields in ever in all kinds of fields, of course, especially once you add in all the experts on expert. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I can understand the instinct to want to weigh in intelligently and like score a mark. Yes. Um, exactly. but I, I do appreciate the restraint. I feel like you're right. You've got this beautiful format to do it because you're in the room together in a live setting. And so you can read body language and you can read energy and, I feel like you're really nailing the rhythms there um, of when to step in and when to step out and, um, and let your guests sort of shine, which so many of them do. I, I mean, you've just had, I love comedy too. That's, I'm a long, long time fan. And so obviously your rotation of comedians and comics and comic actors is just like, it's a roll call of all (laughs) stars. I, do you have a, I know it's, it's a terrible question, but do you have like a favorite interview or two that you just went, God, that was, this is like the greatest job. So I've had a couple moments of that. One was, um, when we interviewed Nora Jones. Oh yeah. She played for us. And so she, you know, I'm just like sitting on the couch and Nora Jones is sitting next to me with her guitar and she's singing and I'm one foot from her. And I, I, and I love her. I have been a fan of hers since I was young. And I mean, I, uh, I just think she is one of the most talented people on earth. And so I am just staring at this real person in front of me playing like with an angel voice and I'm oh, just like, it's too How? much. It's too much. It's like yeah. moments like that where you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. yeah that's wow. How is this my life in the best way? Like we're yes. definitely living in a matrix because there's no other way. <laughs> um, that moment was really, really big. Um, we just, we just released this episode, but we just had Monica Lewinsky on. I saw that. She was unbelievable that's definitely in my very 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 top interviews we've had um her her openness and willingness to talk Mm. about her past in order to help other people learn and and have a better future is Mm. just like it's so admirable and generous and she's very special and um that was another moment that's like whoa Mm. we're having this conversation like i never thought in a million years, I'd be able to do that. So yeah, there's been a few moments like that for sure. The experts are my purse are my favorite. Are always. they? Oh yeah. Cause I always end up having like hour long conversations afterward about something uh, they've lucky. said and learning. Yeah. I just feel like we get to learn so much through them and yeah, but everyone's been great. The one, the main takeaway I'll say that I've noticed, which is so funny is like, I, everyone leaves and I think, man, everyone's nice. Oh, that's a great observation. And I, and I mean, even globally, like I can really like take it outside of our attic and say like, we have all these ideas of people and based on their job or based on, and especially when you talk about celebrities, like Mm. based on the tabloids and the pictures you see and um, headlines about them and you create a whole narrative about a person and they come in and I'm like, Oh, you're just so nice. You're Mm. just a nice person. And I have thought that about everybody. And it's like, God, we're just all people. (laughs) 
we, it's really true. It's really true. Like they got in a car and they drove there like a person. Yes. Yeah. It's that, that to me, I think that's one advantage of your really super long podcast format, you know, which is, it's rare in the industry to have a two hour podcast. Yes. Um, and so, but what it does, at least for the listener and probably for you as interviewers is just affords you this, this runway to just get there with with yeah. these people. I mean, cuz obviously in your show, you I mean, you you press in. You know, you guys do a lot of heavy lifting with your guests, even the most famous people in the world about the hardest or the most shameful periods of their entire lives. Yeah. And somehow you do this without prying. It feels like, oh, this is just a human person. Yeah. And you grease the machine so with such skill that all of a sudden they are just telling us like about third grade, you know, <laughs> and they are telling us about what it was like when their parents got divorced and how they felt when they had their first baby. It's just, it's really, that's to me a needle that you are able to thread um, both with your skill and your format that, that absolutely brings your, it just levels up your show so much. Do your guests ever talk about, just what it feels like to them to come into your podcast and then all of a sudden find themselves in a really vulnerable spot or being more authentic than they expected to be? Or what is, what are what do your guests say to you about that environment? Well, we've had a, a cup, I would say two Uh guests come in and leave and felt like I said, too much, Mm, mm -hmm. but everyone else Mm -hmm. and everyone we, and you know, we tell everybody when they come in, we'll cut anything out you want. So, which gives them sort of the rope to say whatever they need to say, because they know they can be like, I don't want any of that in there. That's true. Um, And it's a small space and there's not 10 people around, you know, so they don't feel like they feel in the moment that they can say whatever they want because it feels safe. It does. Um, and it's an extra safe because it's like, yeah, I'll just cut whatever I want out. But most of the time, people will be vulnerable and think like, and they might even say like, I might, I might have you cut this out and then they'll say it. And then ultimately, most of the time, they all say, it's fine, you can keep it in. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, like it wasn't, like the idea of sharing it was so scary but once they did it, it was, I think, like a relief hmm. and didn't feel scary and felt like, oh, that's like interesting or a fun thing about me or this could help somebody else. And, you know, I think this part of this is Dax's just special specialness where yeah. he he leads with so much honesty he and does. vulnerability. I mean, there's just nothing off the table. It's true. Um, and so he starts out talking about, you know, his trauma. Yep. And then of course people are like, well, <laughs> then I'm, I'm going to feel comfortable meeting him there. And it's not yep. manipulation. That's just the way he is. He oh, just, that's clear. He's yes. very, very self-aware. Yeah. And, and he's doesn't have pretense about him at all. I've, yeah, yeah, I have sometimes sat in my car and just my jaw would go a little slack. Like, well, he just said that he's yeah. just going to say that right here on his show. And yep. he doesn't have a lot of self-preservation in him, even though he always talks about 
how much he wants success and for everybody to like him. He still doesn't do a lot of those behaviors that self-preserve. No, you're absolutely right. It draws me to him. It doesn't push me away though. I know, which is, I think that's, he's sort of figured it out. He's sort of like figured out the magic trick, which that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. The way to get people to like you is to just be you, (laughs) you know? Right. That's what Brene taught us. Yes. And not try to adjust and be, um, who they want you to be. You just gotta be you. And he's really fair that. And I, and also like, you know, obviously he's had so many years of practice of this at AA where all they do is share, you know, they, and they, they're learning from each other's mistakes, not each other's sort of triumphs. So he sort of brought that to the table and I think it's so lovely and it definitely makes people feel like, uh, free to talk. Oh yeah. That sort of authenticity is very contagious, um, in a room. And I, I respect him for doing that. And thus we've had these amazing responses from so many of your guests. I I'm curious, um, as we sort of get down here to the bottom of this, um, fun conversation, how has this show, the success of it, the audience love, this amazing community you've built, um, this, this amazing cast of guests, like how is it, um, or has it made you think about the trajectory of your life and career? Like how has Mm. this like wobbled the scales for you? Like what, what are you now looking forward thinking, um, this is the same that I had in mind going in, but this is something that's different. Totally. So I, I've said this before, I think on our show, but I got the best piece of advice I ever, ever heard. And I also give is love the thing that loves you back. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very easy, especially in pursuit of a career in entertainment to be very tunnel vision. And I also, I think that's universal actually about in Mm -hmm. any job, in any goal oriented person you have your sights set on something and it becomes glowy and you have a tunnel Mm. to that goal and that is it. And I'm getting that and that's what I'm getting. And that's the end of it. But I, it's in my opinion, in my experience, it's better to have a little bit of a looser grip on that. Yes. So that you are able to see other things coming into your path and you're able Mm. to say like, huh, Maybe I'll just follow Mm -hmm. this for a little bit. And I don't have to, I don't have to, it doesn't have to replace the goal. Mm. It can just be what I'm following for now because I don't know where it's going to take me. And it could take me to that goal. It could Mm -hmm. take me to a place that's like even better than what I could have ever imagined the original goal to be, you know. So I think it's just really important to be aware that you got to allow for spontaneity Mm. and allow for taking on adventures that you didn't sort of anticipate happening. And I, so I feel that that's what all this has been, you know, even working so closely with Kristen, you know, I Mm -hmm. write stuff for her and we produce projects together and we work together so closely. Like I never would have thought that I would have wanted to do any of that. Hmm. And so I just, I let myself do it and not feel Hmm. like, well, you know, I could have said, and I thought, by the way, I thought about it when they asked me to come on full time. Mm -hmm. I, 
struggled for a little bit because I was sure. like, full time, I can't do full time. And I never had a full time job before that because you had to have leeway for auditions. Of course. You know, and so I was like, I can't really go full time because how will I leave if I need to mm. leave? And, you know, and and even though I made it very clear to them, like, I need to be able to leave for auditions. And they're like, great, you can. I, I also knew it was going to be harder. Mm-hmm. Like, they can say, yes, you can. But then if I have an audition, right. I'm with the kids. <laughs> right. Like, Logistically, you know that's a thing. Exactly. So I, but I kind of took a leap of faith because I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say yes to this. Mm. This is a good opportunity for me right now. This is going to be earning me more money than Mm -hmm. SoulCycle. And these are people that are very cool and interesting and I like being around. So sure, I will do this. Mm. Doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm stuck doing it, but that's right. And then I, you know, and then that has led to all of this. And so so it just, you just got to kind of let I think things come to you or, you know, just see the things that are coming to you. And I, I, because Kristen is the master juggler of the world. Mm-hmm. She has so many projects and so many mm-hmm. things at once that we both work on together for her. But she, I mean, using her as a North star, I'm also, I feel like, okay, well I can do all of it mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. she does all of it. You know, I'm like, totally I can do the podcast and we can add on other podcasts and yeah, that's going to get busier, but I can still do a show. Dax is doing a show and does our podcast. Like it just, the example hmm. around me is that you can do a lot if you that's put, great. if you sort of allow your, you know, if you sort of put your mind to that, you can absolutely. Like you just discover a capacity that you never had to access, exactly. um, but there it is when you need it. I love that example. I, um, my second kid is a sophomore in college and she's going, she feels confused about which direction to go right now. She's got some really interesting gifts that seem to be sort of in competition with each other. And I told her recently, wow. it reminds me of what you just said. I was like, honey, where do you feel the wind at your back? Like, let's pay attention to that. Let's just, where do you feel like you're coming to life? Where do you feel like I'm loving the thing that loves me back? You know, where do you feel like this momentum is carrying on its own? I mean, that, those are really interesting signals to us that sometimes, because I'm sort of achievement oriented, I am so fixated on the thing that I thought or the thing that I set way down at the end of the finish line that I forget to notice where the wind is weirdly at my back on this little side hustle. Um, and, and I think that's a great way to live, like have our dreams, have our goals. Yes. Also let's be paying, hold it loose. Let's be paying attention, um, to these little detours and these interesting opportunities. Um, cause you're right. Like sometimes I really, well-placed yes turns into a completely different road. I mean, a hundred steps down, you are in, you're in a new zip code, um, exactly. which is so exciting. And, you know, I guess, cause I'm, I'm so goal oriented as well. So this was like, you know, all this sort of happened by accident and mm. it's easy for me to sort of look in the rear view mirror and say like, Oh, uh-huh. I, I did all this, you know, but I, 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 I'm very goal oriented too. And I can see the trap of just getting stuck. And I've also gotten some of those things, you know, we talk, that's all we talk about on the podcast is like the goal oriented life is tricky because Mm. 
once you get those goals, you think that you're going to feel whole totally, and you don't. And so some of these side hustles and these, these letting yourself go off, those things make you full. They can anyway. And like you uh, at the end of your life on your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking about that goal. You're going to be thinking about all the adventures along the way. You're going to be thinking about your life, Hmm. you know, in total. So it's important to let, and to remember that nothing is permanent. Like if like for, for your daughter, if she's giving up an opportunity it can feel mm-hmm. like, well, I'll never have that ever again. Yep. And I'm saying bye to it. And that is not true. Great point. You know, it could come back around. It, it could come back around at a time where you're more suited for it. Mm. You may decide that you didn't even want it in the first place. Like, you know, it's it, it's important to remember these things are nothing's permanent. That's so good. Um, you know, we're just handed a different narrative, which is like, everything is crucial. Every decision is like hit or miss. And it's, it's a very boxed in, very formulaic way to think about life, except that that's not really how it bears out to your exact point. There is a lot more flexibility in our path forward than we sort of hand to the next generation. You know, we're, we want them to know what they want to do with their life when they're sophomore in high school. It's just silly, you know, like you need to know your exact path and you need to be picking your classes to support your craft. And well, my God, I mean, they're 15. Um, And so I, I really like this approach to life in general, which is kind of have, have your North stars. I've always had those two and know that we, we may meander as we sort of head in that general direction. Those, those meanderings have been like my favorite parts of life for positive. Sure. Yeah. One of the best things in life is a good sounding board. I've said it a million times. Nothing is better than a friend who can listen to your brain dump and then cheer you on or throw up red flags, whatever the situation calls for, right? But sometimes we need specialized help. A neutral third party who can look at our situations, at our lives with fresh eyes. And I'm telling you that a wonderful, affordable way to do that is with BetterHelp Counseling. BetterHelp can connect you to a licensed therapist or counselor online so you can literally get help whenever and wherever you need it. The BetterHelp counselors specialize in a huge variety of needs. Um, Some of those areas you may not even have available to you locally, but here they're available to you anywhere. Thank you to the internet. So BetterHelp has... Also, you guys, financial aid available to those who qualify, which is great because cost shouldn't prevent someone from getting the help they need. BetterHelp has an amazing offer for my listeners. They are giving you 10% off your first month with the code for the love. Here's what you do. Go to betterhelp.com slash for the love and use the code for the love to get the help you need that you want and you deserve right now. Okay. Back to our show. So, okay, we're going to wrap it up here. These, this whole, we do our podcast in series, obviously. So this series is on other people's podcasts. And so we're asking all of our guests in this series, these like kind of questions off the top of your head. So here's the first one. 
Okay. Um, who is your dream guest? So either somebody that you haven't had on yet, or maybe you have had your dream guest on and who was it? Well, my dream guest is Mindy Kaling. Oh, ugh. yes. I am trying. So I want her to come on so bad. She, th- there was a, a chance for a while, but she's obviously so, she's just so busy. Um, and I, but I think she's brilliant mm. and I, I just, and all, and so funny and so interesting and has lived a life that I admire in such a mm-hmm. strong way. And also like, I, I feel like I connect to her in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. I sure. just love to have her in our space. And Ugh, she's a queen. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm going to manifest that into the universe. Thank you. Um, Mindy Kaling. Mindy, you have heard it here. Oh, she, wouldn't she be fun in a room? I mean, the most fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You had on one of my favorite people in the world. Probably the only interview I listened to twice was with Jason <gasps> Bateman. He is so oh funny. God. Why is he so funny? He is such a dreamboat. He's so funny and and, and sarcastic, but oh smart. Oh, but yeah. smart. Like, that's always the character he plays, and I wanted to believe that he was that sparkling in real life, and he was. Yes. He was. Yes. I enjoyed him so much. And Ike Barinholt, speaking of Mindy, oh, I loved, Ike. loved oh. Ike's interview. He's darling. Agreed. Big open heart. Here's the last question. We ask... All the guests in every series, this question is from an author that I love, but your answer can be whatever you want it to be. Like we've got, we've received every manner of answers. Some of them are like really serious and sweet and some are just absolutely absurd. Um, and so, but the question that she asked, her name is Barbara Brown Taylor is this, what is saving your life right now? Ooh, wow. What is saving my life right now? Mm, I know. Um, community. Mm, same. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. everything. It is everything. I, we had Dr. Sanjay Gupta on. I know uh, it was a fabulous episode. Oh my gosh. I was so sad because we did not get him for nearly long enough and we have to have him back. But he said, he like gave real stats to the thing that I feel all the time, which is he's like places, countries that are more community based, they live longer. Yes. There's like, literally that statistic that it, it, it correlates and it is so important. And we, you know, I feel so, I mean, just unbelievably lucky with the community Mm. that I have here, um, with Kristen and Dax and all of our friends. And we, we really lean into community a lot. Like we go on trips together all the time and we try to get, get together a lot. I'm currently trying to move in Honestly, I'm trying to buy a house that's like I heard. 40 feet from their new house. We're trying to make as communal living as yes. we can do it because it, it's it's life-saving. It really is. I could not. I literally couldn't agree more. I live within 45 seconds of my best friends in the world. My entire oh. family lives here in Austin, like both sides, both sides of our parents, all of our siblings, all of their families. And my dad's goal, his like long-term goal is to live in a commune. Um, and so (laughs) it's so real that, I mean, Brene has taught us that loneliness is more detrimental to our health than like smoking and obesity and alcoholism combined. So there is such real interesting data to support that. And I am completely with you. Okay. Here's what I want to say to you before I let you go. Okay. 
I so very much enjoy what you are putting out into the world right now. It is such a delight to me. And I've, I have learned so much from your podcast and I have, you have introduced me to some really amazing experts that I did not know before, um, that I have since learned from and read more of their work. And, and then also sometimes it's just been entirely entertaining, which that counts too. That is a value. And I think that the work that you're doing and the way that you are doing it is so great right now. And you should be proud of it. And you deserve every accolade that you're getting right now. And all this adoration from your listeners and from the podcast community is well-earned and well-deserved. And um, I just want to say bravo to you. I just love it. I hope it goes on forever. I don't know what the next medium is, but I hope it's podcasting till I'm dead. Um, (laughs) And I'm just cheering you on. So thank you for being so vulnerable with your listeners, with your show, for being creative and innovating, for putting good and hard and important conversations in front of us, um, and trusting the community to handle that with maturity and depth, which they do. Um, and so I'm just big fan here, big fan. So happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for your time and your energy and all of it. So Monica Padman, you are the greatest. Thank you so much. I appreciate all all that so much. Thank you. You're welcome. And there you have it. Just, she's as great as I thought, um, loved and loved that conversation. And hearing from her and the beautiful creativity she's bringing out into the world right now. Um, I wasn't kidding when I told her that I've barely missed an episode of Armchair since it launched. And as you heard me say, I also went to the live show. So like big fan here. Um, And so appreciate her time and energy toward our show as well. Speaking of our show, big love to you listeners. Big love. You are just the greatest community. We're just, we're up and over, we're 16 million downloads on this show. That's because you listen every week too. And I love to meet you out in the wild when you're like, Jen, I love the show. I love, this is a guest I love. This is a thing I learned. Um, I'm always doing this and I'm listening in the car. I just love it. Like, I love meeting you and hearing from you. And I want to thank you for your amazing loyalty to this podcast. I just, I, when I told Monica that sometimes, you know, you end up, I was telling Sydney that sometimes you end up moving in direction because that's where the wind is at your back. That is what this podcast was. I mean, I didn't have plans for a podcast. I didn't know what that was a few years ago. Um, And yet this is one of the most delightful things that I do. And I have so much good energy toward it and from it. And that is because of you and all these fascinating guests that we have on every single week. We are so lucky here too. So um, I am grateful, grateful, grateful to you. I hope you enjoyed this series on For the Love of Podcasts. If you missed any of them, go back um, because we chose podcast hosts from some of the coolest shows out there right now. Um, I absolutely was dazzled talking to them and listening to the things that they care about and what they bring to bear in the podcast world. So go back and pick them up if you missed them. Um, and by the way, don't forget to subscribe. That's how you find all these so easy. They'll just be right there on your phone. You can do a quick scroll and see what you've missed. Um, okay guys, next week on to a new series and turn in the corner into a lot of great fun content. You're not going to want to miss it. See you then. 
that's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.